Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Today is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on Working with Others, and we are on page 97, second paragraph, we seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our home through two paragraphs ending with the family will find life more bearable. We'll be commenting on these two paragraphs only. Today's readers are the text, Danny P, page 164, Nancy C, Susan S.H. will be our backup. Uh, Chris W is the 12 steps and Morgan K is the traditions. Newcomer greeter is Karen W and the host for the second hour will be Barb W. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, Monday, 7 a.m. meeting July 31st, 2023, is 20,489. And the 10 a.m. meeting Eastern Standard Time is 20,490. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. <clears throat> OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the, 12, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. I will now ask Chris W. to read the 12 steps of OA. Hi, I'm Chris W., Chris with a K from Nashville. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Chris W. I will now ask Morgan K. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning. This is Morgan K., a compulsive overeater from Manitoba, Canada. 
These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, <clears throat> each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of, work of communication. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of these, 12, of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Morgan. And today's share ID Tuesday, August 1st, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 20,492. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. <clears throat> then press star one to mute your phone. To have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on Working with Others chapter, and we are on page 97, second paragraph. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our home through two paragraphs ending with the family will find life more bearable. We'll be commenting on these two paragraphs only. I will now ask Danny P. to begin reading. Good morning, this is Danny P. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It is not good for him, and it sometimes creates serious complications in a family. Though an alcoholic does not respond, there is no reason why you should neglect his family. You should continue to be friendly to them. 
The family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept and practice spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. So um, I do not have uh, a lot of experience with the contact with the family. I seldom have contact with their family. And I, I avoid um, having them at my place for a long time, for sure. I had some sponsees staying over uh, in order to attend OA events or, or, I don't know, going to a job interview, but really for a short period, I had some sponsees staying at my place. But what comes out to me in this paragraph is those paragraphs is that um, if he does he, if he doesn't want to recover, uh, the best uh, thing the family can do is recover, and this goes for everything. Um, if um, they don't want to recover, the only thing I can do is recover, and hope for the best. So. This is my experience with this. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Danny. Okay. So we, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Who would like to share? Somebody wants to share. I know it. Let's start one. Adrian N. Adrian N. Cheryl A. Cheryl A. Stephanie R. Lisa B. T. Stephanie R. And who was the last person? Lisa B.T. Lisa B.T. Okay, a couple more. Rachel K. Rachel K. Okay, why don't we stop there? I have Adrian N., Cheryl A., Stephanie R., Lisa B.T., and Rachel K. Go ahead, Adrian N. Hi, this is Adrian N. in Florida. You know, I've often um, heard people say that they've had people living with them or uh, gotten abstinent by being uh, by staying with somebody, and I've often fantasized that you know I would have a house where I would have people coming and getting abstinent and I would be cooking for them. But yet, you know, I realized I never offered that to anybody. That was like a daytime dream that I had. And then I would say, well, if I lived alone, I could do that or, you know, stuff like that. But it's, it's, you know, my point is that it's, it's our actions. It's not just wanting to do good 
to help others. It's actually offering and doing it. And I might have very good intentions, but if I don't act on it, it doesn't mean anything. With that, I pass. Thank you, Adrian N. How about Cheryl A. followed by Stephanie R. Good morning, everyone. Um, I want to jump up just a little bit higher on the ledge um, related to this passage and to just think about over the last however long we've been reading in this chapter, we have been given such specific, specific instructions how to work with another human being, what to say, when to say it, how to do it, what do we do when they come into our home, be be ready and willing to do this, but don't be don't let them stay in, in too long, as it said this morning, because it's not great for their family. There's such specific instructions. There's so much care. There's so much attention to doing everything that we can to be there for another alcoholic. And I, I want to remind myself that the big picture perspective of all of that is the amount of care and love and attention and focus I must give to my recovery and to myself. Am I giving myself that much care and attention for every situation? Am I caring for the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater and that there are scenarios that I go into where I have to do something differently than all the other people around me because I am different? In every manifestation of my disease, I have a choice to absorb myself into the outer world like everybody else functions or to understand with tremendous depth who I am and that I need as much attention to the details as this chapter is giving me to work with others. Am I giving that level of love, attention, detail, care, and concern to myself? My job is to recover and recover and recover again, no matter what the scenario or complexity with everyone around me. I've got complexities with family members and all kinds of things, and I've got to keep it simple. My sponsor reminds me of this every single day. Keep it simple. Because there's challenges everywhere we go, whether it's with working with another addict or whether it's... um, with myself or or with this crazy, insane world spiraling around us. But I also know that from my challenges, I know my strengths. And I didn't choose any of it. But there is one who brought me into the world. And for every challenge, for every brick wall, there's a ladder out. There's for every empty space in front of me, a bridge. And that's a ladder of 12 steps, and I climb each one. This is all about step 12. There's so much attention in this book to step 12. I better pay attention. And my sponsor reminded me even yet again this morning, this is not personal. This is, these, we we have side effects of just, loving each other to death and what a what a beautiful thing what a beautiful thing but i am working with other people to save myself i am taking great care in how i work to save myself and i end up caring about them because it's a side effect and that's wonderful 
but I've got to also give all that love, care, and attention to my own program to climb the ladder out of every situation, whichever step is appropriate, to believe with all of my heart. Time. Thank you. That there is a positive, beautiful, amazing side to the end of all of this work, which is part the journey and part the beauty of the promises. And with that, I pass. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Cheryl. Next, we have Stephanie R. and followed by Lisa B.T. Go ahead, Stephanie. Good morning. I just wanted to say that working with others has just brought so much incredible joy and serenity in my life. And as I work with others, and I'm thinking of family members, too, who I love dearly, and, and I can't take anyone's inventory but who I see a lot of my old behaviors in them and they know I'm in program and know I'm doing something different. And yet my desire to want to save them is, is just inappropriate. I have to understand that I am an addict. I I couldn't save myself from a cracker. So how am I going to save anyone else? I, I just can't do that. So the best example I can do for that particular person who I'm with, who is maybe not even interested in recovery, but looking for some type of a solution, is to be an example of what recovery is. And I can only recover when I get up every single day as an addict and say to God, I don't know what to do with my day, but I know that you're in charge. And when I set my day straight with my prayer and meditation and even outreach, I'm able to, to present to, my, to people around me what recovery looks like. And I think that's what I truly want to do with my life right now is be an example of what recovery can look like. And I, I strive for that every day. I think I'm more successful some days than others. But um, today I feel very grateful that I'm I'm feeling centered and grateful and really willing to be out there for sponsees and listen to my sponsor and do what it takes to to maintain this recovered state. And I'm so very grateful to be here. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Stephanie. Our next, Lisa B.T. Hi, good morning. This is Lisa B.T. in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Um, Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, this this is interesting instructions in that in the sense of um, you know the closeness um, of of being of service to others, including a person's family, you know, having them over that sort of thing, and that hasn't been um, something that I've I've done in that way. Um, sometimes I I find this book remarkably universal and timeless. Um, one of the things that I wondered when I when I heard this this morning was some of the changes. I remember I'm in my uh, 60s now, and I remember when I was a kid, people did drop in more. I remember even the pediatrician coming. I think I had the measles or something, and she she came to the house with her black bag and so on. And and um, sadly, I think uh, we you know we just we don't do that um, as a as a society as much, um, but. What I did think when I heard this is that um, in in my 
addiction, one of my favorite refrains was, um, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, every time I dropped the kids off and then went and got my food and did whatever, I, that, would be, that would be what I'd usually say to myself. This is fine. This isn't hurting anybody. And then years later, um, uh, like last year, I think it was, um, I bought a dessert for one of my you know, grown-up children's birthdays. And there was a big storm, and the, we had to winter storm. We had to delay the occasion until several weeks later. And just I heard my son say to my daughter, because I pulled out the thing out of the freezer that was what we were going to have, and uh, and he just said to me like, "Oh, it's still here," and um, that was really um, quite shocking to me. Right? I thought, "Oh, everybody did notice. Um, the family, loved ones, they do notice." Um, I think sometimes overeating is um, not considered, quote-unquote, as serious um, as uh, drugs or alcohol, let's say. But the truth is that it is. Um, and so what is this paragraph then saying to me? Um, for me, um, I find that we don't seem to have this in, in a way as far as I know. Um, but because I had other addictions in my immediate family. Um, I have participated um, as a family member in Al-Anon and Naranon groups, both, and um, they were honestly life-saving to me. Um, I could not believe that there were other people who were suffering in the same way um, because of addiction in a loved one, didn't know what to do, um, kept the focus on the loved one, had to learn how their, their experience could be shared with others and that they could be on their own journey of healing. And that's Time. that's been very helpful to me. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa. And next we have Rachel Kay. Rachel Kay. Hi, this is Rachel Kay, um, compulsive overeater from Indiana. Sorry, I had some trouble unmuting. Hi, thanks for calling on me, Julie. Um, yeah, so this paragraph, um, I looked at it from a little bit different perspective than some of the other paragraphs, and I know that this is Overeaters Anonymous. This is not an Al-Anon meeting, but, I mean, being real, we did not, none of us, like, like, sprung forth, you know, new from the ground without families and friends. You know, if, if you grew up in a family or in an environment where there was no addiction, no other compulsive overeaters, no alcoholics, that's wonderful. Um, you know, and some of us did. Some of us have, you know, it, you know it, it's like we're the only addicted one in our family, our extended family, our environment. I know my personal experience was not that. <laughs> um, I grew up with, you know, an immediate family member um, who has this disease and still practices this disease and other extended family members um, who have this disease in one form or another. And so what this says to me, um, you know, when it says, uh, the family should be offered your way of life. Should they accept practice and practice spiritual principles, there's a much better chance that the head of the family will recover. And even though he continues to drink, the family will find life more bearable. 
so like I have to give up that hope you know I mean my mom has seen me um, by the grace of God be abstinent for 23 years and be in this program for longer than that and you know and still practice this disease and you know I used to think gosh you would think you would think that that would, you know, be a, a signal. Hey, you know, you might want to, you might want to give this a shot. But you know what? That's as I grow in recovery, I realize that's not it's what it's about. It does make life more bearable. You know, the fact that I can look at somebody in my family who is still suffering from this disease and who may be one of those people who's constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves who is not at fault, you know, who, who seems to have been born that way, you know, and the fact that I can keep on my side of the street and, and, you know, say to myself, bless them, change me, um, and be staying, you know, uh, near that person for extended periods of time and just love them and be of service to them without having to, um, resent them or, you know, say, why can't they just, why can't they just, is a miracle of this program. It more than makes life more bearable um, when, you know, I practice this way of life. It makes life, you know, it, it makes life a miracle, a miracle that I can be around people who are sick and suffering in my family and outside my family as well. And um, and continuing to be close to God, and I think that's my time, um, you know, is, is really a miracle. So anyway, thanks for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel Okay. Okay, again, we value your experience. We ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. Who else would like to share? Brea H. Brea H. We have plenty of time. Barbara G. Barbara G. Cat T. Cat Joanne T. B. Joanne B. Take a couple more. Tom A. Tom A. Okay, so we have Freya H, Barbara G, Kat T, Joanne B, and Tommy. Go ahead, Freya. Good morning, Freya H, Recovered Compulsive Eater Bulimic Restrictor. I'm in Colorado. Thank you so much for your service, Julie. And thanks, everybody, for your shares. Um, really great, great stuff. I love how initially I'm like, oh, I have nothing to share, and then Actually, I do, after hearing what other people have to say. So the second paragraph where it says, the family should be offered your way of life really jumps out at me. And um, this was written, I'm not a history you know, expert at all, but this was written before Al-Anon existed. So this was just one of the practical things that they were aware of. And, um, and I was taught that in the original manuscript, 
um, that it talks about that this is, you know, this is not just for alcoholics. I think step 12 was written something like, you know, carry this message to others, especially alcoholics, but it wasn't designed to be exclusively for alcoholics. So this idea that these are a wonderful set of universal spiritual principles that anybody can practice and anybody can benefit from. And I think that ties directly into, um, into Overeaters Anonymous and the fact that we are all on this meeting gathered here recovering from food addiction. Um, it's saying this, this is a way of life that's going to work for all of us, you know, whatever addiction we are suffering from. And for the family members, they're absolutely affected by it. I think that's another, another very applicable um, message of this paragraph is that Addiction is absolutely affects other people because it impacts relationships. And what a beautiful promise here that says, um, you know, when the people around me are in recovery and they're practicing spiritual principles, there is a much better chance that I am going to head in the direction of recovery. And I happen to be raised in a family where uh, people were practicing 12-step programs. And I wasn't, I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but when I got old enough, you know, I knew where to go. And I I had a lot of faith in the fact that not just, you know, I really took for granted the fact that 12-step programs existed and they would be there for me, but also I I had this deep down belief that they worked. So what a beautiful gift um, my family members gave to me because cause I knew where to go. You know, I, I know that's not true for everybody. So I am grateful that this is a way of life that is for everybody, which includes me as a member of OA. So with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you for the eight. And next we have Barbara G. Hi, my name is Barbara G. And I'm calling from Paris. Thank you for your service. And thanks for everybody who shares and who's on this meeting, uh, allowing me to keep my sobriety today. I was very, um, I, I really like the paragraph and uh, also the shares. This, and reading it after having heard what you had to say uh, made me realize that in this paragraph, uh, I am invited to um, be balanced, to be in a position where I need to be friendly and open, but I don't have, I cannot overdo. And that for me, it's like, so such a challenge. Of course, I do tend to forget that I am only a fellow traveler, like my sponsee. And uh, in my impetus of wanting to help them and in the affection that I can uh, develop over them, I am very likely to make many mistakes. And these many mistakes can go from uh, wanting their recovery than what they do and therefore doing things that end up not being beneficial to them and, uh, and to me. And so I do, this paragraph for me comes really timingly because I am going through 
relationships in sponsorship where I realize that uh, I am really asked to do anything but passing my experience. And then, as the paragraph says, if they don't respond, when the alcoholic doesn't respond, I still here it talks about the family. I am asked to still continue being friendly with the family. But for me, it's also a way to ask me to still continue being friendly with the person in, uh, in an attitude of uh, humility. Um, yeah, so what I'm reading today through these lines is that there's a recovered compulsive overeater who is trying to give a message of uh, recovery, of uh, strength and hope and of experience, I always have to ask God to do all this in a balanced way, not to forget that I am not God, I'm not directing anybody's life, and I don't have any power over anybody's life. And the beautiful thing about sponsorship is that I am learning as I'm doing it. And as my sponsor always reminds me, I don't sponsor in a vacuum. I don't do that alone. And I can ask for all your help. And for this, I'm very grateful. And I'll pass. Thank you, Barbara V. And next we have Kat T, followed by Joanna B. Kat T, press star one. Hi, sorry about that. This is Cat. This is Cat T in Florida. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, you know, I was thinking, I've in terms of bringing other alcoholics or compulsive overeaters into the home. Um, I've been in my years. In OA, I've been on the receiving end of people's kindness. I actually have had people um, let me stay with them if I was, you know, before going into treatment or after treatment um, for my compulsive overeating. And it's, you know, it was true, true kindness, a true act of um, love and compassion and, you know, someone else being on the road of recovery. Um, And so now I'm in a position where I could do the same for others. Um, Because in, you know, in my time in LA, I've just, I've had a lot of different experience, but now that I'm abstinent or you know, I'm recovered, I'm in a more stable place to be able to help someone. But as I've heard other people say, I have limitations. I'm not God. I'm a human and I can't be everything for one person. Um, And I think an important part is there's, as I said, with limitations on what, what I can what I can do if I have someone staying over with me for a period of time, because I want to give what other people have given me. Um, 
and so I think I think it is possible um, to do, and I just have to, you know, bring bring God into any kind of service that I'm giving. Um, I'm not in control, but I can set, you know, I can set boundaries and, you know, talk to my sponsor, talk to others, and um, go from there. So I, that's all I was thinking, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. T, next we have Joanna B, followed by Tom A. Good morning, I'm Joanne B from Vermont. Good morning, everybody. Um, I've been away um, for a while, uh, just on vacation, and um, I haven't been able to tune in, so I'm really excited to be back and listening to everybody's shares. Um, what this made me think of this morning is, um, <clears throat> you know, I think this is written in a different time, um, and obviously, um, when uh, Bill was, you know, writing this, when they were writing this, people would actually really get involved with the families, um, have alcoholics come and stay with them, um, and, um, you know, really get involved at a much, um, like, deeper degree, I think, to the, the families. Um, but what it makes me think of is when I'm working with somebody, <clears throat> I have to realize that um, they have this whole other life, obviously. Um, they have family, they have friends, they have work. And we don't get, a, uh, you know, we don't get abstinence in a vacuum. Um, there's like this huge ripple effect. And that's, you know, uh, when you get abstinent, um, you get healthier and that in turn helps you be able to deal with your family and your um, your day-to-day problems. And I feel like that's what, what my role is, is to help that individual um, be clear um, and help themselves get healthier. And in, you know, and in doing so, like be able to deal with things in their own families as well. Um, you know, when I'm working with other people, obviously they're going to tell me about, you know, their close family members, but it has to, I have to be really careful to, you know, keep, you know, whatever I'm guiding them with focused on that person um, and not get into their family relationship or giving them advice directly on what to do necessarily. It's all about, I think, just uh, what I'm learning is to focus on um, helping that individual, and um, in turn, their family will will get the the benefit of them becoming abstinent, just like I have um, in my experience. So that's all I have today. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Joanne B. Next, we have Tom A. Hi, this is Tom A. from Maryland, uh, recovered compulsive eater. Uh, grateful to be here. Uh, just would add that, uh, you know, uh, compulsive eating is like alcoholism is a family disease, and 
when AA started, uh, it was mostly men and their, their spouses that were going to meetings and they were going together. And the first, uh, there were 87 family groups that started spontaneously and tried to register with AA and uh, Bill didn't know what to do with it. And so he asked Lois to start Al-Anon in 1951. And Lois knew that she needed help and that she had to work these same 12 steps. And so I think for me, this paragraph is about we all need the spiritual recovery and emotional sobriety. And the I come from a family that's full of this disease and carrying the message is carrying the message to those suffering and those in their families. Um, and uh, to me, that's, that's really what this paragraph is about, that, that we can't ignore that this is a family disease. Bill was painfully aware of it from his own experience, and all the early members were painfully aware of it, and so uh, we need each other. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Tom A. Okay, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Carmela G. Carmela G. We have enough for at least two more. Or three more. Maybe four. And we're on the second paragraph on page 97. Anyone else want to share? Loretta H. Loretta Aaron H. K. Aaron K. Lou B. Lou, Lou, oh, B. Lou, Lou, gotcha. All right, let's start with Carmela G. followed by Loretta H. Go ahead, Carmela. Thank you so much, moderator, and thank you for everyone who's on the line listening as well as sharing. Camilla G. gratefully recovered for today in New York. This paragraph and the shares have reminded me of what a gift I had from um, parents who were not in program. Uh, and who opened their home initially to people who needed one thing, the one thing that we all search for and hunger for, love, love and acceptance. And that is what this program has taught me. And it's amazing to think that I grew up in a home Um, where that was given so freely, but yet I blocked it. My sick mind blocked it, and I wanted more, more and more. So I sought out food, and um, I didn't find it in food. But it took being in my sixth decade of life to learn what it was and to accept what it is that I need. And this paragraph has reminded me of my entire 
seven decades of the end of my parents and all of those they welcome. And every day, our program teaches us to open up and accept and love God. And the other piece of our program is daily love and respect our fellows and each and every person that we meet is a fellow and we may not agree with their lifestyle but we can love and accept them and um, if necessary if one of our fellows that we meet on our journey come for a visit we can welcome them into our home which I was blessed to do with a couple of fellows in our program. So if we just follow our directions, God provides all we need, and we just have to accept it. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Carmela G. Next, we have Loretta H., followed by Erin K. Good morning, Julie, and good morning, all. This is Loretta H., recovered um, and with God's precious grace and mercy and all who are helping me on this line. I love the shares. Uh, I live in North Carolina. I um, kind of make a joke out of this, but it's not a joke. Um, you know, I'm not a nurse or a purse. and um, it, But I don't say that to be, um, you know, frivolous about this disease because it's very serious. And this month's um, principles for the depth, the tradition, and the concept are self-discipline, fellowship, and delegation. And so this is what I try to incorporate. Um, I'm trying to work each month with the principles of the month so that I work that in my daily activities. And this paragraph kind of says that this is the way, these are the directions. And uh, I did in the 80s bring an anorexic straight from the hospital to live with my husband and myself. Uh, This was a big mistake. And I'm so grateful for the mistake because I learned a lot from it. And I learned, I have brought people to stay with me overnight or um, especially when we work the steps, I'll have them um, come to my home several days during that time. But I learned that before I do any of this, I must discuss it with my husband, my family, you know, because uh, it's today it's about um, the my responsibility and my way of working this program so that I am spiritually fit, so that I show this spiritual fitness to the people in my life. And as it was shared, it is all about love. It is the next month's um, principle is about love. And this is where I have to be um, very, very generous with that, but I also have to do it in a delegated way because I'm a woman of extremes and I go to the extreme of grandiosity or the extreme of deprivation. And so because it talks about this and I today I do my work in the imperative and not the declarative, I am able to do this with the ability of some sort of balance. 
and responsibility to all the people around me. And then I can actually be in this program in a humble way as opposed to um, that declarative, very, very demonstrative way. Because I don't have, the only thing I know is that I don't know. And the only thing I know is that if I do God's will, which is my thinking, and my life turning it over to his actions, all will be fine because God guides and God provides. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta H. Next, we have Erin K. followed by Lou B. Good morning, everybody. Erin K. recovering in Michigan. Um, I was actually meditating this morning on the concept of boundaries. And I think that this, this is what, you know, a lot of this chapter talks about boundaries, including this paragraph. And I think you can you can take the literal language and extend it and um, kind of I interpret that you know if you if if a sponsor you know or or you know anyone in recovery kind of allows somebody to become too dependent on them for things that that really only God can provide, it is not good for him. And it creates serious complications. And those complications can be for both parties. Um, I looked up the definition of boundary just to kind of have a starting point, and it's just very simple. Something that sets a limit or extent. It's just it's a line. And and I looked in this chapter this morning for the line between what I will do and what I won't do as part of 12-step work. And the directions are, you know, as, as throughout the book, really clear. We give our time to people who want to recover, but we don't waste time on someone who doesn't want to recover. Um, you know, we, we, we make ourselves available and are willing to be inconvenienced. We give generously, but we let our higher power guide the when and the how. You know, it should not be about my ego and it should not be about what anyone else thinks. Um, it has to be, I guess, spiritually directed. So that's what, what I had this morning. Thanks for listening and I'll pass. Thank you, Erin Kay. Next we have Lou B. Good morning. This is Lou B. I live in Texas, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So, um, yeah, I think about this paragraph brings back lots of memories over the years of how people have. Whoops, hold on. I have my had my uh, headphones in. How people over the years have have helped me. Um, I know when I got here, I was a young mother. I had two little boys. One was one, and one was four. And they're grown men now, but, um, you know, I I was struggling with motherhood and, and um, just how to do that and, and how to do it while, you know, trying to work the steps and, and um, get abstinent. Back, there, back then, I didn't think about getting recovered, but I did think about getting abstinent. abstinent. Um, 
Yeah, and so you know the women, the women in the rooms came alongside me and helped me become a mother, and and um, you know helped me in so many ways. And so today, I I hope that I can be that same thing, that same uh, person in another woman's life, um, whether it's mothering or, or marriage or, or any of the it's job, any of the things that we that we you know, face while we're while we're in these, these rooms that are part of our life. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about that except that, you know, through we might not meet people's families but but we get to know people's families just through the stories that are that are the people that we, we talk with um, you know share with us about their families. And um I hope that, that if I ever do have an opportunity to talk to someone, I'll be able to do that in a way that, that is meaningful to them and it helps them because these these rooms and the people in these rooms have, have helped my family so many in so many ways over the years. So um yeah, it was quiet this morning on the line and and, <laughs> and I wanted to, to, to put my name out there but I didn't have a lot to share other than other than that. So thanks for listening and, and thanks for your service this morning, Julie. Thank you very much, Luby. We have time for a two-minute share. Who would like that? Anita J. Anita J, go for it. Oh, thank you. This is Anita J from Massachusetts, recovered. Um, my first look at this as one of the family is a little girl uh, with an alcoholic mother who often didn't come home at night. It didn't matter at first because I had a father living there. Well, he bailed out. And um, that was one of the scariest things in my life. So I didn't become an alcoholic. I became a compulsive overeater. And I never dreamed that I could do emotionally what my mother did to me. No, I never left the house uh, leaving my children alone. I didn't do that. But emotionally, I left them alone. And I remember the time when my daughter woke up. I was in a stupor, though. My They always came to me, not my husband. I only had two. But she was pushing my, holding my toe and trying to wake me up, mommy, mommy, I'm scared. And I said, go back to your room, I'll be right there. And I never went. You know, even though she's forgiven me, I made my amend. Don't you think I cringe over that? And uh, so I pray very much to, I can't replace any of that, but I can be the mother of um, now they have their own children, but I can still treat them with love and kindness. I've, I've learned a lot in this program. I can't leave this program. I need it for every, every part of my life. And uh, I'm grateful I found it. So with that, I think that must be two minutes. I'll, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Anita J. Uh, thank everyone for sharing today, and today's share ID for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 20,492.
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Nancy C., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, family. Nancy C., recovered today in Ann Arbor, Michigan, by God's grace. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.